Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Today we take a break from our sermon series through James as Pastor John Mark Caton joins us to inform us about everything that's going on in our church through our Make Room campaign. Be sure to stick around for the end of the podcast where John Mark holds a Q&A detailing on what God is doing in our church. Now, let's hear from Pastor John Mark. Hey guys, it's good to see you all this morning, and uh, man, excited to be back with you. We've been in the middle of a uh, series uh, in James, and we're going to take a little pause where we are in James chapter 2, verse 14, where James uh, is really talking to uh, the believers, uh, the church and uh, the churches that are scattered, the believers that are scattered, and he says, faith without works is dead. In other words, he says, listen, uh, you can tell me all you want about your faith, uh, but if there's no works that accompany it, is faith really alive? And he goes, now you can also have works and not have faith. And then James says, listen, what we really want to do is have both. And so next week, I'm going to dig more into that because there's a lot of misunderstanding. There's so much misunderstanding uh, that there was even a battle when the Reformation took place uh, for, with Martin Luther, uh, whether he even wanted to keep the book of James in the Bible and the Reformation because what Martin Luther was fighting against or towards was justification by faith alone, not faith plus works. And so Martin Luther said, you know, when you look at the book of James, he says, faith without works is dead. Well, Martin Luther said, that's what the Catholic Church has been teaching. And if I'm going to reform the Catholic theology, and if I'm going to reform the Catholic teaching on soteriology, which is salvation, he goes, I'm going to have to get rid of this book of James. And again, remember in those days, it wasn't like in the days of Martin Luther that the Bible was printed and given to each and every person. As a matter of fact, the only people that had a copy of the Bible at that point were the priest and was the Pope. And so Martin Luther was moving towards delivering the Bible in a printed form to deliver to the masses, to the people saying, you can read this for yourself. And so when it came to James chapter two, Martin Luther struggled with this idea of faith without works is dead. He says, you can tell me about your faith all you want, but if you don't show it to me with works, then it's dead. And then he looks at someone else and says, now, if you want to talk to me about works, but you have no faith, then you're dead. And so it really became a, a, a real point and moment of tension within the Reformation as to whether the book of James, Jesus' little brother, was even going to stay in the Bible. And so I want to invite you to be sure and come back next week because we're going to dive into that. We're going to dig in. I'm going to give you a little bit of the history of that. But today I made you a promise uh, back in the spring that I was going to come back and talk to you as a, uh, as a church. We gave you a bunch of diagrams and pictures. It was in the early stages. And if you were here on the weekend, you heard me talking uh, about what's next for our church as we put faith and works together. As we say, man, God, we have been doing what you've called us to do. And so back in the spring, I showed you just some pictures of some parking lots and some uh, driveways and some sidewalks and a potential student building. And uh, at that point, uh, we took some Q&A and I said, hey, listen, we get this thing ready. I'll come back and talk to you. And then so what I'm going to share with you today is just a little bit of what we talked about Sunday morning. But then I'm going to open it up for the floor. 
You can ask any question about the campaign. We will tell you I'm here. Scott Sanford's here. Justin's here. Uh, but as you think about what we're called to do as a church, and really you go through the Reformation, what was the purpose of the church? Man, the purpose of the church uh, prior to the Reformation had become about sacraments and giving and uh, coming to us for confession. And then if you confess well enough, we might even be able to get uncle so-and-so out of purgatory, right? And so instead, after the Reformation, when God began to reveal Himself to his, through His Word to His church, really we begin to see these five functions of the church explode. And those five functions of the church that you see over and over in the New Testament, beginning with Acts chapter 2, it starts with worship. Man, that God's people are to come together over and over again. We're not to forsake the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. But we're to come together and worship God with an all-consuming passion. The second thing, if you just want to write these down, you say, what's the function of the church? It starts with worship. I mean, you see it in the Old Testament, you see it in the New Testament, God created. Second function of the church, church is teaching. And we don't just teach anything. Man, our call is to teach God's Word. As I, share, as I said week before last, man, there are 168 hours in your week. You're probably in church one hour. If you come to men's Bible study, you're here uh, two hours. If you go to midweek, maybe you're here three hours. If you happen to be in a live group, four hours. All right, so, so let's say best case scenario. Some of y'all are all churched up. You know what I'm talking about? That means that the world still has 164 other hours to speak into you that God's Word doesn't. Does that make sense? That's why it's so important. That's also why it's very important that every time you come to God's house, we're going to pour God's Word into you. Why? Because Satan has 164 other hours to speak to you. And that's why you also don't want, let me tell you what, guys, even when it makes us uncomfortable, when someone stands up on Sunday morning or, or midweek service or Tuesday morning and starts talking about some things in the Bible that make you a little uncomfortable, you should want that. Do, you, do we understand that? Because the world would love and Satan would love the other 164 hours of your week to say, you're good, you're fine, that's not a big deal. No, okay, it might destroy your marriage, but it's going to be okay this time, right? That's what Satan will tell you. Let me tell you what, when you come to God's house, there ought to be kind of a fire in your heart that said, God, in your spirit, I hope you light me up today. I hope you set me straight today. Hope you get me back on the right path today. That ought to be our call. Why? Because Satan, for 164 other hours of the week, will do everything he can to destroy you as a man, compromise you as a man, destroy your marriage, destroy your relationships. So when you come to God's house, whether God transfers you somewhere else or, or you go somewhere else, every time someone stands up to teach you, they need to open God's Word. And so when you come to our church, we're going to be teaching you God's Word. Sometimes it's going to be a wonderful hug. Man, there will be times that I've opened up, man, there, I've just been in a season of difficulty or whatever. I'll read a psalm, and, and man, there have been passages of Scripture that I just feel like the words just are, are, are just hugging my heart. Man, I love that. There are also other times when I begin to read God's Word, and it's a kick in the butt. How many of you know? Yeah, and we need both. So function number one of the church, if you wonder, worship God and Him alone. Number two, listen, be taught, 
Read God's Word. Number three is what you just did and what we continue to do and what we love to do here at Cottonwood Creek. It's fellowship. I mean, being together with brothers and sisters who are in the faith to encourage one another. I love what it says in Scripture. It says, encouraging one another all the more. If you haven't noticed this about Cottonwood Creek, we're an all the more church. Do you understand that? I mean, we are all about saying, hey, what else can we do? Man, can we get another fellowship together? Can we get another time to get our people together? Why? Because we desperately need to get together and encourage one another all the more. Why? Because there's a lot in this world that will discourage us. Man, maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's something you're going through. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's maybe your doctor's discouraging. Anybody have a discouraging doctor? Anybody need to change doctors because it's just not very encouraging? But sometimes they got to give you the truth, right? I don't want a doctor to look me up and say, oh, you're good. You're good. Hey, ignore that growth, right? Man, we need someone, fellowship, teaching of God's word, worship together. Here's the next one. Number four is serving. Man, we're told over and over again that we are the body of Christ. Everybody say the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Every one of us is a part of the body of Christ that we all want to do our part. How many of you are grateful that when you started getting up this morning that, that at least uh, uh, to some extent, you know, the older we get, it's like a lesser extent. How many of you are pretty glad today that when you got up that to at least some extent uh, all your body joined in? Right. And notice to some extent, how many of you got a knee that needs to pick it up just a little bit? How many of you got a hip that needs to pick it up a little bit or a back that needs to pick it up just a little bit? But we're the body of Christ. And here's what he means, that there are times that some part of the body hurts and struggles to fulfill its function. And what should the other part of the body do in that moment? Accommodate. Does that make sense? Man, you know, you might walk with a limp. There are times, I'll guarantee there's not a time that we come together as a church that we're not limping somehow, some way. And so as we think about faith without works is dead, we want to be a church that is fired up with works, but we are ultimately fired up and saved by faith. And that's our call, that we would fellowship together. And here's number five, if you just want to write it down. Five, be on mission. Always be on mission as a church. If you haven't noticed almost everything that we do here as a church, there's some mission tied to it. There's some thing tied to it. Here in a couple of weeks, uh, November the 11th and 12th, uh, and over on the 11th is Veterans Day. How many veterans we have in the room? Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Here at Cottonwood Creek, we will always honor you. We will never forget you because of your service to our country and the great uh, greatness that you provided this country. So November the 11th and November 12th, that's always our gift weekend every year. And let me tell you what we'll do. We'll, how, many, how many meals are we packing this year, Justin? 250,000. 200, only only 250,000. 
a little disappointed in you. Uh, we will come together. If you haven't been at a gift weekend, pack it. We'll literally go around the world right here on this campus. We'll pack 250,000 meals uh, to send out to those who are our missions partners. We will, uh, you see Operation Christmas Child Boxes. We will uh, pack Operation Christmas Child Boxes to send to orphanages around the world. We'll have blood, uh, uh, we'll Carter Blood Care. They're going to be here. Carter Blood Care. So uh, if you want to give blood, you can give blood. If you don't want to give it, we're going to take it from you anyway, whether you want to give it or not. All right, that's just kind of the way we do it at Cottonwood Creek. We'd rather you give a free will offering, but we're not willing to, we're not opposed to holding you down, just flat out taking your blood from you. And uh, by the way, if you're listening to this on the podcast, y'all know we have over a thousand guys that listen uh, every week. Y'all give them a hand when they're on. Man, so we're going to be on mission together. And you just look, if you just want to see some of our mission partners, just stand at that TV every once in a while and just watch them file through. Watch them file through. What about Saturday? How many of you guys were out here Saturday for the house build? Man, give them a hand right there. So that's ultimately what we are called to do as a church. Faith without works is dead. A, a church without works is dead. We live in a community that desperately needs it. And so Sunday, I started talking about what's next for our church as we make room. And here's what Paul said. He says, I pray that you be rooted and established in love and that you men may have the power together. I love this. I just love this, this, uh, these words. Together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you would be filled up to the measure of the fullness of God. Then verse 20 and 21, he says, now to him, ultimately, it doesn't matter what we do. The sixth function of the church undergirds and is the top line of all five functions of the church. The sixth function is to always make sure God gets the glory. It's not about me. It's not about our staff. It's not about you. It's not about anybody else. It is about God getting the glory. And that's what Paul said. He says, now to him who is able to do it measurably more than we can ask or imagine according to the power that works within us, to him where be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations for how long? Forever and ever. Amen. And so as we think about what we're called to do, it's really those five functions. Man, it is worship, it is teaching, it is fellowship, it is serving, and it is missions. But they all are about giving God the glory. And here at Cottonwood Creek, if you miss Sunday morning, uh, uh, you, we, God has been good to us. The history of our church goes way back. And some of this will be old news to you, but you know we understand that a lot of people are serving at church on Sunday. So I want you to just see this video, all right? Just kind of the history of the church. We have that ready. It began here with a small band of believers dedicated to a common purpose: to grow, to be challenged, to serve. There's no way that that small group of people at Mount Olive knew what they were starting. The church moved to Fairview and they invested in that community there and the people, and it ended up moving to two different locations. You could just feel the energy. The growth happened so quickly. People were coming much like they are today. I think at the time we felt building on where we were currently located was gonna be a good option. 
but that turned out not to be true. And I think John Mark's heart quickly realized that perhaps we needed to hit the pause button. God told him to, hey, let's sit back and take time. I think it was 90 days of prayer. And it's kind of an emotional deal for me. That's one of the best things that's ever happened to this church. God's timing through the whole thing was perfect. But it didn't take long that we started to fill that building space up. Pretty soon we were back saying, okay, what's next? Another pivotal moment in the history of the church has arrived to touch more hearts and change more lives. How in the world are we going to embrace all of these young families and older adults and children as they are growing in their faith? My oldest son, he really got established as a three-year-old all the way up. Developing young leaders that are fearless and able to be bold for Christ. The parents can grow toward God and then the kids have a great environment and they're growing also toward God. It's not exactly the building, it's more of the people. And God's sending a bunch of people through the doors right now. I really like looking out when we all, when we turn to meet and greet, there's just so many, so many people um, being really friendly like we are here at Cottonwood Creek. <laughs> it's gotta be an essence of family. And like making them feel like they like belong here too is really important. This church really is the place that we feel home. This is our family's support system here. It's gotten us through some major road bumps. I've gone through the hardest transition of my life while at this church. They have held my arms up like Moses. Uh, it's the best family I've ever had. I got cancer and it became a place of getting me past my cancer. We pretty much, I think, want to spend the rest of our life here at Cottonwood Creek. It's not that Cottonwood is perfect, it's that it knows it's not perfect. Do we have challenges? Absolutely we do. Every room, every room is booked. I have never seen so many children in my life. Well, I mean, they gotta have a place to go. We need parking really bad. Parking's always been on the, <laughs> the, in the dirt, on the grass, in the mud. <laughs> it is getting crowded, which is a good thing. My hope is that this new space would ultimately, you know, draw new kids in. I feel like they've never really had their true space. The communities just north of us are exploding, and those people need to have a place to come. The church uh, has plans and set for these uh, improvements to actually be accomplished. And I'm really excited to see where that's gonna go. This next phase is to make physical room for people so that then there can be spiritual room made in their lives. What is happening now, it's just absolutely mind-blowing. And it's about looking into the future and trusting what God's gonna do, and we need to be ready for that. We're really excited to see God moving in a way that is organic and natural, and the church is responding in a way that's obedient and reverent. This is about giving and getting. It's us giving all we can and God getting all the glory. We need to make this happen. Make room for ministry. Make room for love. Make room for her. Make room for community. Come on, church, we can do this. Make room for bathroom. Make room for these guys. Make room to learn. Make room for more babies. Make room for caring. We got this. Make, make room. room. Make room. Make room. Make room. Make room for us. We're in a church. It begins here with a committed band of believers dedicated to a common purpose, to grow, to be challenged, to serve, to know Christ, and to make Christ known.
this generation and for generations to come. It's time to make room. All right, guys, we've got the opportunity uh, uh, to do something special. How many of you were in the services this weekend? I figure most of you got a chance to see that. Notice some of you uh, know. We kicked off our Make Room campaign. And by the way, if you're wondering, uh, a little bit of the slowness is running that video through Zoom and then back up to here. So that's why it's off. Those are not ventriloquists. Those were not professional ventriloquists. Uh, but that's, that's kind of what it is. We're trying to make sure our guys that are on uh, Zoom got the opportunity to see that as well. And so it just kind of uh, takes things off a little bit. So we launched it. Everybody should have received uh, in, um, uh, in your mailbox uh, a campaign uh, packet uh, as well as a commitment card if you did not all right if you did not I want to encourage you before you leave if you'll walk right over here uh, to this table you can get both of these and you can read up on it and so part of what we've done is that over the last uh, uh, number of years uh, we started over in Fairview relocated to this location uh, started in a gym actually we're in a worship center over there then we were a gym over there a gym over here now we've got the worship center here but in part of the process, the leadership years ago created some things in preparation for this day. Like if you walk down to that wall right there uh, at the atrium, it was always built to continue to go all the way around to the west parking lot. That's why it's not tilt wall. It's just wall just to be kicked out. If you've always seen in the back of the worship center, we, uh, the, the, the leadership teams at the time, designed more space because the worst thing that can happen, how many of you know if you've ever been at a church, the most expensive building you can build is a worship center, right? I mean, it just per square footage, by far the most expensive building, high roof, lots of space. And so we just decided years ago, listen, when we build this worship center, we're going to leave lots of space at the back of the worship center. So as we continue to grow, guess what? All we got to do is come in and uh, add chairs and we are ready to go. And so we talked about that Sunday. And so if you want to know more, I want to encourage you to go get two things, uh, the campaign brochure right over there, as well as a commitment card. And this is where I'm just going to uh, show you, uh, is it the long campaign video or the short one? Okay, it's the long one. Uh, we're going to show you the long campaign video, sit through it, and then I just want to stand up here and answer any questions. We did this in the spring. I will answer any questions. Uh, we've got me, Justin, Scott, the other Justin. Uh, is they, did Dave Marsh fall, fall asleep or is he still here? So, uh, oh, there, there he is. He's waving back there. All right. So here's the campaign scope, the project. Then we'll come back and I'll just open it up for Q&As. I'll open it up for Q&A. Hey, Cottonwood Creek Church family, I just want to take some time to walk you through our Make Room campaign. Here's the first aspect of our Make Room campaign. It's additional seats in the worship center. We're going to add 825 seats to our worship center, add that to the 1,825 current seats we have. So eventually, after we've added the new seats, we will have the ability to worship 2,650 people in our worship center. Now, also as a part of the Make Room campaign, 
campaign, we're going to make some campus changes to make it easier for people to get on and off our campus as we continue to reach the next person through the door. As you look at the map, first of all, uh, the first part is a new ingress-egress point from the south side uh, of our parking lot to Ridgeview. It's going to be right here. We're going to start that uh, this year, and we're so looking forward to that. Then you'll notice new parking that is right back here in the south. We're going to start that uh, before the end of the year as well. But eventually, we want to have an exit that takes us out to Stacy Road. And next is a part of this Make Room campaign. Uh, let's move back to the building. First of all, more restrooms. And so you'll notice that we are phase one right here, about to get started just as soon as we can get these drawn up and get through the city. Uh, more restrooms just out of the south side of the worship center. This will more than double our current worship center bathroom space. And so we desperately need that. Also notice as a part of this, a brand new atrium that will take us all the way out to the western parking lot. So if you park in the west parking lot, you can get into the building right here. If you're going to go straight into the worship center, you can actually walk straight into this worship center. So it gives us a third ingress egress point to get into worship, which again reduces some of the crowding. Then next, notice we have a brand new student space right here. Now this new student space is gonna seat up to 500 kids. Then beyond that, for the students, there's going to be plenty of technology in that room. Uh, there will be movable glass so people and students can move from the uh, sand volleyball courts out to our uh, welcome areas and our courtyard space outside right into our student space. And it's going to be absolutely beautiful. So next, let me show you our ministry support building right up here. And so we currently have our staff uh, spread all over the building. But when we ultimately add this new administration building, it's going to bring all of our staff together. If you'll notice right here, this is where our current administration office is. This is where my uh, pastor's office is and many of the other places. But now what we're going to have when we move all of our staff into one place, here's what it does for us. It creates four great live group rooms, probably for senior adults, and uh, that allows them easy access without having to go up and down the stairs or use the elevator to be right here. So now let's go back and look at some uh, better images of what some of these things will look like. Let's start with the Student Center. Notice as you look at the Student Center, here it is, uh, another ingress-egress point into our atrium. Notice a large courtyard. Notice you see, uh, looking into the student space, uh, the glass doors that can open up, allow our students to move in and out freely. But here it is inside the student space. Man, the interior of the student space, notice the wonderful LED wall uh, that will have controlled natural lighting. Now, as we think about entering through the new West entrance, let me show you what you're gonna see. We walk in, if I wanted to, we've already passed this, but I could turn and go straight into the worship center to my left. But if I continue on around the atrium, notice we have our student building right there. So if you have students, they would just turn and go right in there and have a great day of worship or Bible study or whatever it is. Then I can continue to walk all the way around inside the atrium to get to my life groups, to go serve in my place, whatever it is. And if there's inclement weather, I am in the building immediately, which is a great thing. So here's my encouragement to you. Man, come to church every week. 
be a part of worship. Man, battle the parking, battle the ingress, egress, be a part of worship, and let's celebrate all that God has done. Beyond that, let me encourage you to commit to pray about your commitment. What would God do through you? And when we all come together as a church, here's what I truly believe. We will make room. All right. All right, so we're just going to stop it right there. Uh, if you were here Sunday, you can go, by the way, to Make Room uh, on our website, Cottonwood Creek slash Make Room on our website. See all of these videos, anything and everything else. Uh, or you can just text Make Room to 77978. If you haven't done so, uh, text Make Room to 77978. Uh, so I want to open it up for any questions. We told you in the spring that we'd let you have any questions. Um, the thing you will notice, you say, all right, you've got a lay stewardship team looking into this. Uh, there is a commitment card. you have a copy of the commitment card, Justin? When you look at the commitment card uh, in on October the 14th and 15th, we're asking for these to come back. Notice it's simple. This is just you and your family praying, uh, God, what would you do through me to accomplish your will at Cottonwood Creek? That's just kind of the prayer. And notice there's one celebration offering. We're asking for one offering to kind of a seed offering to get it started on October 28th and 29th. So that's the one offering. Then your commitment, notice your commitment is over the next two years. Goes from November the 1st of 2023 to December the 25th, uh, December 31st, 2025. So there's an upfront gift. And again, that gift doesn't have to be on that Sunday, October 28th and 29th. We know into your planning, it could be later than that. But at the end of the day, there'll be a total of what you can give and what you will give over the next two years. Now, you'll notice on the back side of this card when you see it, if you didn't get one. And again, if you don't have one, just go pick these up over here. How much will that be? If I'm going to give $50,000 over the next three years, what does that come down to? This will just tell you on the back that comes down to X dollars a month or X dollars uh, every week. Does that make sense? That's what it's about. So pray about that. And uh, what our prayer is, the whole goal, the budget for the goal is $10 million dollars. That when we all come together as God's people and we make our one-time offering gift and your commitment, that that would add up to the full $10 million. Does that make sense? That's our desire. Okay, so questions, uh, comments, uh, concerns, pies, go that way. Yes, sir. So I gotta, uh, and I will restate the question for y'all. There, so here, here was this question. It says, make room. We've been in the middle of a make room spiritual growth campaign really from the beginning of August. And his question was, he saw in the video uh, a 90 days of prayer uh, thing. And he goes, is, or is this part of a spiritual growth campaign? We just came out of, quote, a spiritual growth campaign. I think it's all spiritual growth because if spiritual growth hasn't happened, if it doesn't affect every area of our life and every area of our life includes our resources, all right? So we are in the process, man. We've been praying about this, seeking about this. Our teams have been praying about this. What do we do to minister to the next person through our door? Our vision and our statement, mission statement, has always been, it's never been to see how big we can get. It's always been to minister to the next person through the door. And so absolutely, this is all about spiritual commitment. But when it comes to like this card and your commitment, 
We strongly believe that's between you and God. That's between your family and God. This isn't us getting together and me walking you through filling these things out because this is your resource, your family, and that's where that spiritual growth campaign uh, happens. So let me tell you about the 90 days of prayer. All right, some over here. We were, we were over at Fairview. We were planning to build at Fairview. We had gone from our little A-frame church into a gym, and we had actually gone through a stewardship campaign to build a worship center right there, to build a worship center right there. And then God just said, hold up. That's when we went into 90 days of prayer and it became clear God wanted us to relocate. Uh, our vision was not big enough, all right? And I will tell you as a pastor, I thought we were gonna build right there. I didn't set out to relocate the church, but God made that abundantly clear to us. We've been through all this for the last year, just praying with our teams and looking forward to how are we going to address the next person through the door? Let me just share some things with you. Um, our worship is up over 30% in the last year. Give God a hand for that, right? Um, online attendance is up 30%. Baptism's up 20, 27%. Uh, our uh, Easter was up 32%. Membership up 82%. Missions, local, everything up forever. So part of what we're always designing is that we would always be really in a season of spiritual growth, all right? And an outflow of that is what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will in your church? So we see ourselves having been in a spiritual growth campaign. In January, we put one together. Long before we talked about that, right after Easter, we had a spiritual growth campaign with all these daily devotions, et cetera. We just came out of one with a daily devotion. Does that make sense? So we've kind of feel like our moment of pray, that's... There comes a point, you know, it's always, you know, pray like it all depends on God and, and then uh, work like it all depends on you. We've been praying, searching. We've sent the smart people out. This is the best thing. Uh, so hopefully that answered the question. Hopefully that answered the question. Somebody else, question about the project. Yes, sir. Key milestones for financial. Yeah, that's $10 million. No, I, I'm, I'm kidding. I will also tell you, along with as we journey forward, you've got a lay stewardship team and you've got trustees that when these, when these cards go back in, I will tell you, I have no idea what these cards are going to come back in. Neither do they. That's part of the faith thing, right? Uh, that's part of the faith thing. That once October 14th and 15th comes back, then they will get together. I don't do this, by the way. I never see what you give, all right? That they will come together and put these two numbers together, all right? And they do have prioritization of the campaign. Does that make sense? Let's say that the number comes back in and it's $3 million, all right? They're gonna sit here and look at the atmosphere of the church and say, well, guess what? Here's all we're doing. Does that make sense? So yes, there are priorities within the campaign. And, but at the same point, we believe that God can get us to the full $10 million. And so the trustees, this is not your pastor, this isn't Justin or Scott, we're not the ones that say go. All right, we've been putting together the vision, we've been putting together the budgets, we've been talking, talking with them. And so there are priorities in the campaign, there are benchmarks that we are going to hit. Typically in the past, I will just be on level with you. Um, these always create fear in me. 
I will tell, I'll just tell you as your pastor, you know, I, I would rather not do them. But I also understand that to be financially, to be good stewards of God's resources, we've got to be honest about here's what, here's what it's going to cost and here's what we're looking to build and here's what it's going to accomplish along the way. And then at the same point, typically in a campaign, uh, we've always done something like, all right, here is our goal one. $5 million. Here's goal two, $7.5 million. Here's goal three, our stretch goal, $10 million. How many of you have been a part of a campaign that you do? You kind of do benchmarks that you're always winning along the way. We just prayed about it and said, let's just tell y'all what it's going to cost. And that's the number you see up there. And we're believing God for the $10 million. We're believing God for the $10 million. Listen, you say, Pastor, what if we end up with $9 million? Let me tell you what, we'll figure that out. Does that make sense? And we just trust God and we believe God. So hopefully, hopefully that helps. If you ever wonder how the money's managed at your church, you've got trustees that oversee it all. I'm not a trustee, okay? You have a lay stewardship team. They're all lay people that they over, they're all in finance and business. They oversee all of the money ultimately that is spent, every budget dollar, everything like that. I'm not on your stewardship team, all right? We're part of the senior staff. We run the ministries of the church. They do the finances and the business of the church. And so we can't do anything without them saying, good question. Hopefully that answered. Somebody else, another question about the project. Yes, sir. I can only about, okay, he asked the question, are these stewardship commitment cards funding commitments? That's a great question, all right? It's funny, uh, and it's a great idea, by the way. <laughs> or this is, a, is this a binding contract that can be sold to collection agencies? I have been your pastor for 28 and a half years, okay? There is, we have done, Five camp, this will be our fifth campaign. Somebody know? Fifth campaign. Never once have we walked out to anybody and said you need to ante up. Okay? This is never one time. Nor would we ask anybody to do anything. We will send you emails. When we started doing these campaigns, there wasn't emails. We had to send you an end of year letter. Here's what you committed to. Here's where you are. That's all you're ever going to get. That's all you're ever going to get. Does that make sense? Uh, I will promise you that will never, that has never happened and it never will happen. I will tell you that's your pastor's heart, but I will tell you, if you know your trustees, that's your trustee's heart. That's your stewardship team's heart. This is between you and God. But I will also tell you the importance of these cards. Now imagine that you're the stewardship team and the trustees and you're building this $10 million project. Think about it. If you're building a house and you have a construction loan. You need the ability, does that make sense, based on monthly gifts, what you have, to do some projections. When do we need to draw from the bank? When do we need to get some cash? Does that make sense? Because when the uh, contractor comes in and says, we need to order still today because it's going to be here in 27 weeks, right? They need to make sure that they have cash on hand to order the steel and pay the draw. Does that make sense? You don't want them to come back and go, all right, now what, what are we gonna do with the money? That's what this does. This helps them with cash flow issues, but this will never be sold to a collection agency. This is ultimately between you and God, all right? Pray about it, seek his heart. What you put on there, it will never be put on this screen. 
I mean, unless you do the $10 million, I'll stand up here and put it on the screen. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, but uh, does, that, does, does that help answer your question? Yes, sir. Wait, there's somebody else right back here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has there been any discussion about what might? His question is: Is there anything, any bit, been any discussion on what might happen if the campaign raises fifteen million dollars? And um, you know, I kept telling Scott, "Where's Sanford? Did he walk? Up? Did you leave?" Um, and uh, and I told Sanford, "It is not a vacation for him." I, I will tell you, our first leaning is we would we would go back to the drawing board. Okay, we and we would come back to the church and say, let's say that we did $15 million. We would say, here's what we think we could do here. And probably one of the first places it would be put is, is into the student building. And it's always going to be about kids and students and then missions and whatever. But yeah, that's, uh, that's what we would do. We would go back. We wouldn't go back to the drawing board, but we'd go back and have prayerful conversations, call our trustees, stewardship team together and say, man, God has been overly gracious to us and uh, be a great problem to have. But I guarantee your, your trustees and stewardship team would not just take that as money in the bank. We would, if you're gonna be faithful to give to build something or it's gonna be mission, it's gonna be one of those five visions. It's going to be worship, it's going to be teaching, uh, it's going to be fellowship, it's going to be serving, it's going to be missions. Good question, yeah? What's the construction timeline, how disruptive it will be? Construction timeline, how disruptive it would be. Uh, long and very much. So, uh, uh, Scott, help me a little bit. If, we, if things went perfectly, let's talk about this. If things went perfectly, uh, we would hope to, let's just start with ingress, egress. We would love to, uh, again, we need city approvals. Believe it or not, to pour concrete out there, we need city approvals. When they came out and walked the landscape, they found a cypress tree out there. Have I mentioned that cypress tree? Have I mentioned the, the midnight men's work day, if you need firewood, uh, all the way down that, uh, all the way down that uh, uh, country club road, uh, so we never have that problem again? I, I will give them 10 times the number of trees that we take out. I just need y'all to take them out some night. Um, make sure that didn't go on the podcast. <laughs> uh, Scott, help me walk through this. Uh, Want to get started on the ingress-egress as quickly as we can get a final approval, right? And we, we think we do the driveway uh, starting in November, construction starting in November to Ridgeview. And a few months afterwards, the parking lot uh, uh, back here between uh, us and the, the county road on the, the southeast side. So let's, let's hope for first quarter, first quarter ingress-egress parking might be done. Would that be fair? First quarter. Now, if we can do it faster, just if they walk into Dango, we're going, right? We're, we're going to go as soon as we can. We just know that doesn't going to happen. Uh, worship center, new seating, new space. That's actually one of the simplest things that we can do uh, is we called out. We've ordered, uh, ordered the seats. The, it's gonna, there are going to be some disruptions of building the stadium seats, but it's not going to be crazy, right? Uh, what would you say by the end of the year that can be in? By the end of October, that could even be in. So they're on their way. We've made, and by the way, this is where, you want to talk about your, your leadership? Back in May, when I presented to y'all, we also presented to some of the leadership, just the church. 
And we said, you know, it'd be great if some of y'all could give early before we even get to the fall campaign. And they gave $2 million cash. So we're $2 million towards the $10 million, which allowed us to go out and go ahead and order the seats because we know in that $2 million, we can get the seats in there. The reason for that is Christmas Eve is coming. Although a lot of this other stuff, won't it be cool to walk into those Christmas Eve services and truly, if you're, see, cause every week we set up 300 chairs in the back of the worship center. If you sit back there, you do it by choice or you're just late. Uh, but you know, it's not great sight lines, especially when you're sitting down, right? Cause it goes to the back and then it flattens out, but they're not great sight lines, but it's gonna be atrium, it'll be uh, auditorium style seating. And the beautiful thing is those people that planned that years ago planned for this day. And so for us to be able to say in less than $2 million, we can get that stadium seat. Right now, worship centers are well over $1,000 a square foot to build. And you think of just to add that. So that's that. Um, let's see, what's next? Bathrooms are next. Bathrooms right over there. I've already had Alan. Where's Alan? Alan had to leave. Uh, he said, he said, Pastor, I want you to know I'm fired up about everything else. My wife's fired up about the bathroom. Uh, and so he just left. When's the bathroom going to be done? And we're recording this, right? Yeah, that's why. Because we always need a scapegoat. You know, that's a Bible thing, right? So if he misses any of these targets, uh, just keep writing these down. Go ahead, Scott. I'm not giving any targets. Uh, so. No, you are the target. <laughs> okay, we're submitting for our site plan to the city for phase one and phase two, which is the restrooms, the atrium, and the student center Friday. So that'll be submitted to the city on Friday. Uh, it'll take several months to get through that process. That, that, while they're doing that, we'll begin to we'll do the, the architectural drawings will be finalized. So you can see that it'll probably be a, what, five, six months before we're actually able to build the restrooms. So I'm hoping that by the end of next year, uh, we might have phase one done. And then the same process goes through for the student center except larger. We hope that that'll be done by the end of 2025, but we'll, we'll just see how those processes go uh, through the city. Our team's ready to go. It's rocking and rolling. It's moving quickly. And Pastor, you mentioned disruptions. Our biggest disruption is going to be during that construction time, the people in the West parking lot walking around the construction to get into the building. We'll do our best to mitigate that and to direct that, but that'll be the largest mitigation that we'll have to, to work on. Okay, let me talk on for you folks that are online may not have been able to hear that. He said uh, phase one of the building, which is the restrooms, he's hoping would be done by the end of 2024, next year, and then the student building by the end of 2025. Uh, let me let me say something about this, guys. How many of you how many of you park on the dirt? Y'all y'all done a great job of parking on the dirt. Okay, now listen. I know it's Texas, but it might actually rain someday. Did y'all know that? I don't. It, it has done it before i'm not sure you know you can you know past experience is no guarantee of future returns uh but uh it might rain 
Let me just tell you, we started something in advance of the rainstorm that usually just shows up on Saturday or Sunday morning. We now have a shuttle every weekend if you want to use it. You've got Harley, you've got the dirt, and we've got a shuttle. There is a shuttle service that will run every week, right, Scott? We're just doing it whether you use it or not. But down at Valiance Bank, which is on the northwest corner of uh, Lake Forest, and, uh, and 121. If you go behind there, there's a racetrack. You can start using it every Sunday. And now let me tell you the beautiful, why did we choose that location? Because there are no lights. You come out of Valance Bank, you turn on 121, you drive down 121 to Stacy Roads, you go under the circle, does that make sense? So there's no lights. You come back to Cottonwood Creek, drive right down the front, drop you off, and then you go back and take a right, and then you go under and turn into Valiance Bank. So that's why we've chosen that location. There are no lights involved. So just so you'll know, before we get to that parking, before we get to anything, before the city says yes, we might well have rain. <laughs> I noticed our foundation guy, if y'all don't know Rex, he's our foundation guy. Uh, things are really good for him right now, uh, by the way. And that's a bad thing for all of us, right? He left. Uh, I was supposed to be a little more funny. Y'all were supposed to think that was a little funny. Uh, apparently not. I just, I'm going to go ahead and fill his card out. Um, that was a money joke. Um, so, what did where I, I lost my train of thought. Oh, oh, yeah. You, you, so, so anyway, know that the shuttle's there. Know that that shuttle's there. Uh, next question. Yes. Have you all selected an architect yet? And any general contractors? Yeah. Sanford, come on up here and talk in. And, and for the Zoom guys, and by the way, we're going to stay here and answer any questions. Once you know. The question was, have we selected an architect and a contractor yet? Sanford's going to come answer that question. Yes, sir. We've uh, worked. We're working with Park Hill Associates. Uh, we started working with them a couple of years ago. Uh, they're a design architectural uh, firm. Uh, lots of experience in, in the area around the state, and uh, also with worship centers and, and churches. The other question was contractors have, have not been finalized, but uh, our uh, John Daly, our facilities director, is in the process of interviewing uh, three. That they and the that he and the architects believe uh, could successfully complete all four, uh, all three phases. Good question. Somebody else? Yes, sir. How, how are they going to break out the, the children's? Are they? Are we going to have some? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, that is truly just students. His question was, how are they going to break out the students in that building? That new building is just for 6th through 12th grade. That is just 6th through 12th grade. Children's will, will still stay where they are. And uh, again, remember one of the keys. If you'll notice, my office is right there. All right, my office is right there. There are four potential big life group rooms, okay, that'd be right there. That would be great for our senior adults. If you've seen some of our senior adults battle to get up and down the stairs and the uh, uh, elevators over there, but as it comes in the project pace, that will be the last thing we do. Our priorities are gonna be get an ingress, egress point, get those bathrooms, get that student building, get the worship done, then get the administration building, which until we get that completed, we can't have those. 
I will tell you, your staff, we don't care very much about the administration building. We've always cared about people. Those are potential superb life group rooms right there. That's why you want to get your staff out of there, not because we want some nice palatial estate. If you know us, I'll guarantee you the day you walk in, you'll go, you thought they'd have designed themselves something nicer. That's not the way your staff operates, all right? What we want is we want to get out of there because we hate seeing and hearing of our senior adults battling running through the kids, right, with walkers and canes and stuff like that. We want to get our senior adults right here. Does that answer the question? But just sixth through eighth grade's right there. Just sixth through eighth grade. Somebody else? Guys, we're always open for questions. Here's the way I always feel about questions. You ready? Man, if you make good decisions, they stand up to any good question. So that's why we never shy back from talking about any decision we make. And you are, if you've been around here, if you're new here, there are times that I will look at you and go, guys, we were faced with two options. We could have done this or we could have done this. Here's what we saw with this. Here's what we saw with this. We prayed about it. We sense we're going to go this way. You've also, if you've been around here long enough, we go, I'll stand up here and go, yeah, we could have done that better. All right. So guys, y'all are the best. Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information about Make Room, go to cottonwoodcreek.org slash make room. And be sure to tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.